1: I am not a vindictive person, so I didn't want to say to him, I made a mistake, it's all wrong, this marriage shouldn't have happened. But I had started to keep a journal uh, unbeknown to me. Stephen was actually reading my journal and knowing what was going on inside my head. So he talked to me about this journal that he had been reading. And it was at that moment in that evening that we became very real to each other and very honest with each other. And it all just changed.
2: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. A surprising one to start off today. Joe Hood is the founder of the very successful ministry, Mainly Music. And so one would not have expected to hear about the challenges that she and her husband faced in their marriage. They've written about the revival of their relationship in a book called Love Happened, 20 years, one month and one day after the wedding. Here's Karen Hunt chatting with Joe Hood, founder of Mainly Music.
3: Welcome to the program and give us a little bit of a background of where you grew up and what life was like as a young'un for you.
1: Sure, well I was raised in Auckland, New Zealand. I was the eldest of three children, so um, I have a brother and a younger sister. I attended church Back then, I went to school and then to a business course for a year and then took on a personal assistant role in a very small not-for-profit organization in the Christian community. Um, It was a promotional company as well as an insurance company. So I was a bit of a jack of all trades. It was the best training ground for me. And then life happened really and I got married and had two children and we moved over here to Australia six and a half years ago.
3: So Joe, give us an idea about your faith journey. Was there a moment in your life as a teenager, as a young person, when you decidedly gave your heart
1: to Christ? Yes, when I was 13, we had a, uh, it was an evening church service. And God had really been stirring me leading up to that evening. And I was at the service and the guy gave the call. And I stood up and made the decision and was baptised when I was about 13, 13, 14, sometime around then.
3: You decided to follow Jesus. No looking back, eh?
1: Absolutely.
3: Jo, let's talk about Mainly Music. What a fantastic program for, for young kids how did it all start? As the founder of the program right across Australia and internationally, tell us, where did it all begin?
1: Well, I used to take uh, our daughter, Rebecca, to a music program that was in a local community hall, and the nature of that community program was going to change, and having a music background, a passion for families and a passion for what the church has to offer families. I said to a friend of mine, I reckon we could start up a music group just like this. It's not rocket science. And create some fun for families, create a connection time for families going through the same life stage, and create a space for families to see what the church had to offer and what God was all about. So mainly Music started, and 22 years, or nearly 23 years on, it's in 10 countries around the world. Ten countries, really? Yes. Which ones? Mostly in uh, New Zealand and Australia. Okay. But growing very fast in the UK, so England, Ireland and Scotland. Just a smattering in Lebanon, Japan, South Africa and Mm -hmm. Canada and a few more in the USA.
3: Wow, it's being used for good, hey? I love the fact that you love to connect kids, mums, families with the music, but more than that, you love to connect them with the local church.
1: Yes. And is that, is that a voluntary basis? Yes. The teams are run by a group of dedicated volunteers who are part of the local church, who are keen to care for families, encourage families, provide support when life gets a bit tough and uh, there to be the cheerleaders on the sidelines saying, you're great, parenting is wonderful, Mm. you're doing a good job.
3: Fantastic. And I know you said so 22 years ago this began, but your little booklet in my hand says, Love Happened, the subtitle is 20 years, one month and one day after the wedding. Now you're talking about your marriage to your husband Steve.
1: And it wasn't an arranged marriage, by the way.
3: Uh huh. So love usually happens before a marriage. It does. Before an engagement, yeah. during a courtship. Tell us, how did you meet Steve? And how did that journey begin?
1: The church I attended, the actual home church we come from in New Zealand, had one of the best rugby teams <laughs> um, in, <laughs> in Auckland. Yep. And my husband was a keen rugby player. Uh-huh. And so he joined our church to participate in the rugby team that was happening and so we met through that there was an attraction but there was definitely not a deep sense of we are destined to be together just that sense of deep love I would say. Mm -hmm. I am the sort of person that focuses on the future and am more caught up in the achieving of a goal than necessarily the process. So dating Stephen, I just anticipated that dating equaled engagement, equaled marriage and found myself then married to him and not really in love with him. So would you say you rushed into getting married? Yeah, we were engaged six months after we first met and then were married six months later. Joe,
3: I know a lot of young people who really do actually question how long should they be engaged for? You know, should they go for it, seeing they really believe that this is the one, why wait? Or would it be wiser to have a longer engagement period? What are your thoughts based on your experience?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say longer engagement. Some advice was actually given to me when we were going around, which I completely ignored, that you should go through four seasons a full year of dating before you made that decision.
3: Mm, That is good advice, I like that. Then you got married
1: to a rugby player, a good looking one? He is, he's got plenty of muscle. And you've also told me how good-natured he is. We certainly enjoyed each other's company most of the time. I often went along and watched his basketball and rugby games. You know, we didn't really have a huge amount in common when you look back on that time frame. So from what you said before, Joe, Steve was absolutely in love with you. Absolutely. At
3: the time. Yes. But you are more the kind of person, you're more committed to the outcome. Yes. Than yes. the relationship. Would you say you had a foundation, a starting point, a safety net at all? No. To return to?
1: No, and I think that was the thing that kept stumbling me through the marriage times. that I couldn't really go back to the point of saying, I married this guy because I was really in love. And I also wanted a sense that the marriage was in God's plan. And I didn't have that as a secure sense either.
3: Now, I have your book in my hand, Joe. It's called Love Happened. And when I flick through page 27, there's just one sentence there that simply says, and I finally fell in love with my husband. Take us to that part of the journey.
1: Well, life had gone through various um, ups and downs, um, and we, the crazy thing is, we didn't actually fight for all intents and purposes. We looked like we were a happy married couple. Our children, I've caused both the kids, and neither of them were aware of this going on in the background. It was my indifference that just kept us, well, my indifference and Stephen's love. That kept us going. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where Stephen actually felt confident to talk to me, chat to me, arrest the moment and say what is really going on because I am not a vindictive person so I didn't want to say to him, I made a mistake, it's all wrong, this marriage shouldn't have happened. But I had started to keep a journal Uh, unbeknown to me Stephen was actually reading my journal and knowing what was going on inside my head Ah. even though I couldn't vocalise that to him because I just thought that was too mean so he talked to me about this journal that he had been reading and it was at that moment in that evening that we became very real to each other and very honest with each other and it all just changed and I think crazily enough honesty was is a big value of mine and yet I was really being dishonest with not fronting up with my true feelings.
3: I know you've got Steve there with you are you able to give him the phone now? (laughs) Here he is. Hello Steve how are you?
4: Hi good thanks.
3: So you've just been hearing Joe telling me about how love happened 20 years, one month, one day after the wedding. Steve, what was going on in your mind with that conversation?
4: I think being a male, my um, thought processes are quite different. I looked at her and thought she was all right. And we talked and probably from her point of view... She hadn't had many boyfriends, whereas from my point of view, I'd had a few girlfriends. So I thought that it was love, whereas from her point of view, it was probably more, he's all right, this is a bit different to me, it must be love.
3: Hmm. So after that defining moment in your relationship, what kind of changes actually began to take place?
4: Probably I was at the start of a new part of my life where I just got a permanent job after a long injury, where I was off work for years, and it was quite a life-threatening thing. And so... After getting the job I felt more independent so it meant that I had, um, if something did happen and if we did break up, because we couldn't keep on going on for years and years, so it meant that something had to change and it was just at that moment that I talked and she listened and... We both accepted each other for what it was.
3: Steve, tell us about your family upbringing compared to Joe's and why you both decided to write this book.
4: I'd come up in a family where it was a broken marriage and so we accepted whatever was as children, whereas Joe had come up in a family where it was loving and the perfect family. And so when we got married and life wasn't perfect, I accepted that because. That was life, whereas for her, looking at it, she was probably thinking, life is so much better.
3: I love the fact that you're telling your story purely to give hope. I mean, there are many people right now who probably are feeling there isn't a way forward, there isn't a way out, there's no solution. So are you saying be committed to finding a way? Would that be your encouragement?
4: This is only our story. Every relationship is different. Like Joe said, we never ever argued or fought over anything going through the whole thing. It's quite hard for people to think that's impossible, but the things that we've got in common were quite strong, even though we didn't think that we had much in common.
1: And we've built on that since... That time frame of me falling in love and us being honest with each other, we've built on those common factors and now have a marriage that is incredibly strong. And in fact, we're going to be celebrating 30 years next year.
3: Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Well, you yeah, hung in there. Life, so Yeah. And I see here you've made mention of a Max Licado book, A Love Worth Giving. How much of an impact has that one had on your life?
1: Well, that was huge in the whole process because when I got to the love chapter, which ironically is so often read at wedding ceremonies, Max recommends that you put your name in that chapter rather than love is patient and kind, Joe is patient and kind. But what I found myself doing was actually realizing that Steve was patient and kind, and Steve had all those attributes of love. And that in fact, he was being as Jesus was to me as well. And he was providing me with unconditional love that I wasn't accepting. And yet in my Christian faith, I accept that from Jesus readily. And here I was not accepting it of Someone who was being as Jesus to me in my own marriage. So you had a great thing, but you didn't even realise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after that time frame, it didn't just all change overnight. It wasn't you know a magic moment as such that the old patterns still occurred in my head and the messages of indifference. Still continued, And I think that, that when you are committed to finding a way ahead, you actually have to also be committed to making those changes inside your head, changes to the behavior, changes to the voices in your head, changes to the things that come out of your mouth and changes to the way you actually process your thoughts. Mm. about a person or about a situation and that's where true forgiveness comes in.
3: Your main encouragement is one, be committed to finding a solution, yes. a better way. Two, get a friend involved. Yes. Someone who can be impartial, someone yes. to uh, really share your journey and encourage you and three, put time in to your marriage. Do you want to uh, add anything more to that? Yeah. To I, uh, I
1: think for those people who are listening who also don't have a God connection, be committed to finding who God is and what God is really wanting to offer you because that is a huge part for us of the total journey as well. And
4: change. Be prepared. The whole time Joe was praying for me to change, for God to change me, whereas really she came to the realization that maybe she had to change. More than what she thought.
3: Steve, Joe, thanks so much for your time and honesty. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
2: That was Karen Hunt chatting with Joe Hood and her husband Steve. And as we heard, they've written a book together about the revival of their marriage called Love Happened 20 Years, One Month and One Day After the Wedding. You can find out more about their book at the Mainly Music website. That's all the W's, mainlymusic.org. Next, we'll go from mainly music to a man who mainly focuses on music, musician Daniel Coates. He'll share about his marriage to Rosami from Venezuela, the challenges they've faced in Brazil, and, of course,
0: his music. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi I'm
2: Jimmy Colfax Welcome back to The Story Today we have a second story for you from Karen Hunt This time she's on location at a Christian music festival chatting with musician and world traveller Daniel Coates about his faith, music and marriage
3: Now, you're a unique character (laughs) in yourself. Tell me, have you always been in Sydney?
5: Uh, I grew up in Sydney until I was about 22, and um, then I left. I left Sydney, I went and lived overseas for 12 years. Lived in Canada, lived in uh, the UK and Europe and uh, finally four years in South America. So
3: what took you over there in the first place?
5: Well, I just—I was just always itchy to travel when I was about 22. I just saved up the money and I just went on my own. I had a group of friends that were going to come with me and they all pulled out and I just went on my own and um, just enjoyed exploring the world and, and having freedom and and uh, meeting people and, and just having great experiences and visiting different places. It was an amazing time.
3: Well, that's a very brave move and I think I was about a similar age. I was was, what, 23 when I headed off overseas for a five-year stint myself. And I just know the lessons you can learn in the lives of other people, the world classroom, uh, the exposure to so many different, uh, you know, races, cultures, creeds, religions, you name it. What a great experience. But for you growing up as a kid, tell me what life was like as a child for Daniel Coates.
5: Life was great. I had uh, very loving parents and um, had a great life. Um, I guess for me, though, growing up, I was encouraged to do things like you know, do well at school and go to university, and which I did. I got a degree in IT and I worked in IT for a long time. But really my passion was always music, so it was after I left and went travelling and saw more of the world that that, that passion ignited within me and... Um, I started to leave the other things behind so that I could follow my calling, which is really to play music and, and write inspiring lyrics and uplifting lyrics about love and God's love and how we're always uh, looked after and protected and, and guided. And if we just let go and do what we love, then, then things will happen. And that's certainly been my experience.
3: So as a kid, what music did you love? Did you learn one instrument, five instruments? Were you always a writer? Tell us more.
5: I was, a, I was a late starter. I, I played the guitar a little bit when I was in my teens, but I dropped it when I went to university. I didn't really pick it up again until I was about 25, and then I didn't start writing songs till I was 30. I had to do a lot of healing of my own insecurities and you know I was bullied at school and things like that and, and that sort of affected me and stopped me from really stepping into my calling as a musician so music is what healed me really um, writing songs is what helped me to gain um, confidence and to let go and forgive and forgive the people who who, um, who, who did it and that sort of thing and um, so it was really the songwriting that helped me so much.
3: Music can really be a therapeutic tool can't it?
5: Oh Absolutely, and, you know, I just played a gig, and um, and I, every time I get off stage, I just feel so great, you know, and when I'm doing what I love, which is to play and sing for people, I um, I just love it.
3: So tell us, you're overseas for many, many years. You're married now? You have family?
5: Yes, yes, I'm married to a wonderful woman called Rosarmi from Venezuela that I met in Scotland. <laughs> in Scotland? Yeah, yeah, we... Um, we were both working in London and I went to this community in Scotland called Finhorn and um, I met her there. She was working in London and I was working in London so we met on this course and um, yeah, we got together and two weeks later we decided that that was it and that we were going to be married and so we went initially to Argentina and then we, back went, we came back to Australia for a while and got married here back in 2007.
3: Congratulations. Thank you. So Ros Army is that Rose Army you're saying?
5: It's like, it's like an army of roses, my wife's name. It's very unique. It's, it was made up by her mother uh, out of her name Rosa and her, her father's name which is Armando. So Ros Army is what they came up with and they called my wife that. that
3: is beautiful. So here in Australia you have children?
5: Yeah we've got uh, twins, uh, a boy and a girl Ezekiel and Sequoia. Uh, they were actually born in Brazil, that's another story <laughs> We were living in Argentina and we went to Brazil for the birth and uh, had them in, in southern Brazil and and then uh, when we realised we didn't have any family support <laughs> we sort of freaked out and came to Australia and so we could have our family and community support here
3: so you're here, you're with Rosami. Yeah. You have your two twins and you're near to family in, in Sydney where you are, yeah?
5: Yeah, near to family and friends now, which is great.
3: So what is her focus? What does she
5: love to do? Uh, Rosami, well, she's... Focused on very much focused on being a mother at this stage, Um, and she loves dancing, loves uh, like the Latin dance, samba and salsa, and all that sort of thing. So that's her passion. So she's the dancer, and I'm the singer.
3: (laughs) Tell me your story as far as with what you're doing, how do you connect faith to your life?
5: Well, I think without faith in Jesus, nothing happens as well as it could, you know. I think when you you have that strong faith, things tend to happen in your life that probably wouldn't have happened. You know, when you're full of that love, when you're full of that hope, when you're full of that faith, um, I just find that things tend to fall into place for me and everything functions a lot better. And you feel better, you know. (laughs) At the end of the day, I feel like we're here to feel joy and we're here to really enjoy being on this planet and to love people and to love each other and without faith I don't know whether you can have that to the, the extent that, um, that you would otherwise.
3: Tell us of a time when you really knew 100% that God was alive and working in your life.
5: Well I've got goosebumps I've got goosebumps all over my body because um, I guess the biggest story was when we were in southern Brazil we um, decided that we were going to home birth our twins and no one would come as a midwife they wouldn't touch it they wouldn't touch it but we were determined that we were going to birth these kids by ourselves and so um, my wife uh, her water broke one day and we were like okay this is it they're three months premature. that's fine we can deal with this and if it was any earlier maybe we wouldn't have but um, we thought three months twins it's about right anyway so in our little um, rental accommodation in in Brazil we uh, set about home birthing our, our twins, and um, my wife laboured for 26 hours in that little room, and um, and uh, they wouldn't, they weren't coming out. Uh, 26 hours later, so we we, we called an ambulance, and um, they didn't understand my broken Portuguese, so they hung up on me. And uh, so we called a friend at uh, two o'clock in the morning to take us to the University Hospital of Santa Catarina in southern Brazil, and and uh, we got there and. A student doctor took a look at my wife and he examined her and he, I've never seen a man move quicker in my life to go and find the real doctor and they got her into emergency C-section very quickly and um, they got my twins out and we found out later that they were uh, they were seven weeks preemie actually all the ultrasounds were wrong and if they had been born at home um, at least my daughter probably wouldn't have made it and my son may not have made it either so you know they they came out and they they were fine my daughter had a few complications with uh, her lungs and things but that wasn't too big of an issue but all through that i just felt the love of god and the love of jesus through that whole situation and even though people say we were crazy for what we did i just felt i knew that the presence of god was there and i knew that we were we were okay and i knew that the kids were going to be okay and i didn't for a second think that they weren't going to be okay um, maybe we could have been a little bit more careful but, but it worked out great and uh, we learned a lot of valuable lessons out of that that you know, maybe it is good to have a bit of medical intervention especially if you're having twins and it's, it's good to be sensible And so that was my biggest story with that, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of uh, faith in God faith in Jesus Christ because wow we've got two beautiful kids and they're healthy and they're happy and, and it worked out you know
3: Thanks so much for your time, Daniel. I've been speaking with Daniel Coates. He's from Santara Music, based in Sydney. Thanks for sharing your story. God bless, and I wish you well.
5: Thank you, Karen. God bless.
2: That was Karen Hunt chatting with musician Daniel Coates about his very adventurous life travelling all over the world with his wife Rosami and playing music. And before that, we heard from Joe and Steve Hood from New Zealand about the revival of their marriage, which they have written a book about. Love happened 20 years, one month and one day after the wedding. It was great to hear how God has been working in all of their lives, answering prayers in desperate situations and helping heal relations that have grown cold. Wherever we are, God meets us where we are and helps us grow closer to each other and closer to Him. Well, thanks for joining us today for Two Stories. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone you
4: know. Next time on The Story because of my own adoption and, and some of the pain around my own adoption and then through the sexual abuse during my childhood, etc., is uh, really the whole understanding of, of masculine and masculinity in the men's world was very frightening to me. You know, I'd always run for the girls' parts in plays at school and different things. I was very creative, I was very artistic. So I just sort of, in a sense, I hid behind a creative bend in somewhere or other.
2: James grew up in England and had an extremely troubled childhood. He was sexually abused by a teacher and addicted to pornography and alcohol. As a young adult, he lived as a gay man for several years in London until one day he attended a prayer meeting and things began to change. We'll hear his amazing story
0: of transformation next time. The Story. Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.